When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, it's been a long time since the Detroit Lions have played in the NFC Championship game, and even longer since they've won a championship. Today is a reminder of just how good they were in their early history. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, it's Tuesday night. It's late, but I don't care. I love this stuff. Uh, NFL historians and lovers of sports history welcome in this show again you always know this if you listen regularly this show is for all of you you guys you gals everybody okay again it's cool if you already know this stuff congratulations to you cookies for everybody but there's always someone else who does not this show exists why I exist why I'm here doing this show on a regular basis it's for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So I am here to enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, your Michael Neal Jr. Yes, your Michael Neal Jr. Uh, this show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Media, the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out on bellyupsports.com. Click on it. Check out the stories as well as the shows, the merch, and you can catch us on our home base of Megaphone. Of course, you have the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. So we're getting right to it. Takeaways from the championship weekend. Go with me, okay? What you do with the regular season, in the regular season, sometimes carries over into the post, and sometimes it doesn't. It could be both a good and a bad thing, all right? Rookie mistakes, they prove costly. And some defenses failed to show up while others were liabilities. And also, last but not least, live by the sword, die by the sword. This is the Rundown Conference Championship Game Sunday, AFC Championship, Chiefs, Ravens. Going into this game, I did feel like Kansas City could beat Baltimore. And it was mainly because the Chiefs defense and the way that the offense has finally clicked in the playoffs, unlike the regular season, okay? Not a lot of drops and punts, right? Well, the Chiefs' defense was key. Pressure applied on quarterback for the Ravens' Lamar Jackson. It worked out for the Chiefs' defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo. He had a plan. They executed that plan. Okay, first half should have been 21-7 to Kansas City, easily. Ravens got the ball first. They punt. Chiefs turn around. 10 plays, 86 yards. Ends in Mahomes to Kelsey. Touchdown pass. And Kelsey, by the way, became the 
all-time postseason receptions leader. Yeah, he surprised, uh, surpassed my man Jerry Rice. It kind of hurt a little bit, but look, congratulations to you, Travis Kelsey. Ravens got the ball back, and they actually tied the score at seven on a 30-yard touchdown pass from Jackson to Zay Flowers. And this was after a fourth down conversion. Lamar with a 21-yard run on a keeper. Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs, who showed up, what, at the beginning and I think around halftime of the game or something like that, they couldn't help the Ravens' defense. Not in the first half anyway. Kansas City, they had been impressive offensively in the playoffs, as I previously said, point blank, period. They're not dropping the football. They're not punting like they did in the regular season. They took the ball right back down the field, 16 plays, and they score again. I mean, just like the Buffalo game before that, I was a little bit surprised, especially with Mahomes having to go on the road. But that just lets you know that this guy is one of the greatest to ever do it. I mean, it didn't matter if he was at home or on the road. Well, he's playing on the road for the first time in his career. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but now he's back in the Super Bowl again. Well, anyway, let's finish this. Uh, did what? The Ravens get the ball back, and then the Chiefs' Charles Aminahue forces a Jackson fumble. And when they get the ball back, they go for it on fourth down. They probably should have kicked the field goal themselves. But uh, they got those play, uh, points back just before the half. They led 17-7. to Well, the Ravens, they had some plays that popped in the first half. Just not enough even for the game itself. They had a couple in the second half, too. Case in point. I mean, Lamar, in the first half, he goes 5-12. for 12, And one of those passes, he completes to his own self. The Ravens got, uh, they were outgained 150 to 32 after that 30 yard pass to Flowers. Harbaugh, he's interviewed at halftime. Coach, what do you got to do to fix things in the second half? We have to run the football and then we got to stop the Chiefs' screens, which was a bugaboo that kind of offset the blitz package that the Ravens were throwing at the Chiefs. Guess they knew what was coming, right? Well, Ravens' defense, they did shut the Chiefs out scoreboard wise in the second half, but there was only one problem. Ravens couldn't reach the end zone themselves. They couldn't find it either. All they got for the rest of the game was a Justin Tucker field goal. That was it. And Zay Flowers. Well, I tell you, this league has a way of humbling you. As good as this kid has been uh, on the field and as good as kid, uh, a kid he is, nobody will ever forget this play. He catches a deep ball, shakes a couple of defenders, including Jarius Sneed, one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Flowers uh, gets tackled by Snead, gets up, gets an unsportsmanlike flag thrown on him for, he's getting up off the ground. He shoves, gives a little extra shove down to Snead as he's, you know, standing over him and throws the ball at him and spins it. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know, you hurt your team. Didn't seem like it hurt it when he got the ball a couple of plays later. He's on his way into the end zone, diving at the one-yard line, and guess who forces him to fumble? Sneed got him back. Kansas City recovers, and that was the best chance that the Ravens had, at least the rest of the game, to score a touchdown. The Ravens beat themselves just as well as not being uh, more effective on offense. Too many, too many penalties. I think they had like six or seven for the game, but four penalties were personal fouls. Can't do it. Can't do it. Nobody really argued against it because it was there, right? Uh, later on in the fourth quarter, it looked like they were going to pull within three at least, but Lamar, he forces the ball into the end zone, into triple coverage. You're supposed to get picked off, and that's exactly what happened. You knew the game was over by then. Now, how about the guy that put a cap on the Ravens' season on third down and nine? 
MVS himself, Marquez, Valdez, Scanling, Sir Drops a lot, caught a 32-yard bomb from Mahomes to seal the deal. They run the clock out, and then, ladies and gentlemen, we got more Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, who, what, helped the NFL earn an extra $331 million? Can a brother get a check? But it's back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five seasons for the Chiefs, and it's off to the Pro Bowl games for the Ravens. Chiefs, 17. Ravens, 10. NFC Championship. Lions 49ers. We haven't seen this since 1957. We'll get into that a little bit later. Kyle Shanahan, he was over, went down heading into the fourth quarter. And in two weeks in a row, he proves everybody wrong. He is now 2-19 heading into the fourth quarter uh, as a head coach. First half was all Lions, though. They built a 24-7 lead by running the football between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Uh, who I believe finished with about 93 yards rushing, but not to mention the precision passing by Jared Goff, whom, by the way, was barely touched, at least in the first half for the most part. Yeah, Niners defense got to him a little bit, especially later on in the second, but that San Francisco D, third in the league, was Swiss cheese in the first half, though. 49ers offense, they weren't getting it done either. Got a missed field goal, a Brock Purdy interception. Wasn't looking good. You're down, you know... 17 at home as seven point favorites one thing i felt though all year long they tripped up the lions were two things one their defense susceptible to giving up big plays and uh or uh going forward a little bit too often on fourth down that's just me that's what i saw defensively detroit gave up nearly 300 yards to the 49ers in the second half alone and you had the 0 for 2 on fourth down and they were turned into 49ers scores you have to take the points sometimes i understand that's what they did all year long sometimes you got to take the points but you know offensively for detroit on the other side footballs that were dropped by the lines that were absolutely crucial two drops by josh reynolds could have been turned into first downs that's probably not good heading into a free agency uh year for him anyway they, they could have sustained some drives and then there's rookie running back jameer gibbs been fabulous all season long didn't even notice of course Montgomery had a thousand yards and uh my man Jameer Gibbs he was what 55 yards away from having a thousand they were a very good tandem but Gibbs took a it was a bad take on a handoff resulted in the fumble three steps I think after he took the football he coughs it up <coughs> and that turned into a Christian McCaffrey touchdown that ties the score at 24 completing a 17-point comeback by the Niners. A little more detail on that. You know, what started, though, was that deep ball from Purdy that should have been intercepted by Ken, uh, Kendall Valdor. Bounces off his face mask. Brandon Ayuk, he makes a, a great catch that gets him down to the four-yard line. Improbable. That was great. That play led to a Purdy to Ayuk touchdown reception. Gibbs fumble happened on the following drive right after that. Then there's Brock Purdy using his leg. He picks up with about 49 yards on five carries in the second half. He was 13 of 16 for 174 yards in the touchdown pass. I won't hear anything else about Brock Purdy not being great and not being able to elevate his team. Shut up. Just stop talking. At some point, you got to stop talking. The guy was the key to the offense that rolled up 282 yards and 27 unanswered points in the second half. So with all that being said, there is unfinished business. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs a couple of years ago 
Mahomes' first Super Bowl trophy that he got. So, uh, you know, a game that I could argue, anybody could argue, San Fran could have won maybe, you know. They have their chance on February 11th. Lions, you know, they go back home and start all over again. 49ers 34, Lions 31. Great season, though. Coming up next, by the way, Dan Gamble. And the Detroit Lions season ended on Sunday, and it was a sign of a three-year improvement that ended in the NFC Championship game. Again, it was the first time in more than 30 years Lions fans enjoyed this type of success. The last championship was way back in 1957. We take you back and we reminisce of Detroit's early NFL glory days. So, you know, this has definitely been a great year for the Detroit Lions and their fans. And, um, I don't know, obviously, if you're a diehard 49er fan, you're not rooting for the Lions, no matter how great the story was. But, you know, I wasn't so sure that they would even get close to this three years ago. You know, we we know now that uh, as of last week, it was three years, well, week before last, I guess now, three years to the day when head coach Dan Campbell held his introductory press conference as was talking about biting kneecaps i mean i just said it to myself how long till this guy gets fired i mean it just is one of those things it just doesn't oh, biting kneecaps oh, this is a this is a coach that you can go with and it turns out it is this is a coach that you believed in um you know between you know those close losses that they had at one point and and even them the slow burn uh, the tears that he shed on the, you know, a- after games uh, and being red nosed and everything and being upset. And but he still pushed this team to the point to where they are now. And I mean, you have to give that credit to Dan Campbell and this organization for how they turn things around. Um, and then, you know, the Detroit Lions, you know, last week, well, well they hosted. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, the round before in the divisional round, they won that game 31 to 23, put them in the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1991. Prior to that, they beat the Rams in the wild card game and their first victory, playoff victory, in 32 years. Unless you're a Lions fan that knows its history or just a fan of NFL history, period, the Lions' troubles that we came to know them for over this past you know decade and change. It wasn't always like this. Example, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Cleveland Browns lately, right? Talked about the cardiac kids. Talked about the three losses in the AFC Championship game to the the um, Denver Broncos. The drive, the fumble, the 1989 AFC Championship game beatdown. And then last week, we talked about Bill Belichick and Nick Saban when they were head coach and defensive coordinator for a team that they took from being 3-13 and to 11-5. and beating the Patriots in the playoffs back in 94. Now, between their inception in 1946 under Paul Brown, their founder and their part owner, uh, between 46 and 1962, 12 years, 11 championship game appearances and seven titles. Blatton Collier takes over. They win it all in 1964. And between 64 and 72, seven playoff appearances, one title, three championship games. Of course, they when the Super Bowl became the Super Bowl, uh, there were no Super Bowls for them, but they had team success. Again, Belichick, they beat the Patriots, the team he would 
be a Hall of Fame head coach for in the future. Beat them in 94, and the Browns went on a serious playoff drought after they have lost to the Steelers the next week. Um, they're a little bit better now, of course. They've had three playoff appearances, including this year, since that season. But going back to the Lions, it's been pretty bad for them. But like the Browns, it wasn't always like that. In the 1950s, you had some dynasties, two teams that were dangerous at the time. And one was the Browns. Once they did come from the AAFC, the All-America Football Conference, uh, into the NFL in 1950, uh, you know, they they continued their dominance that they had in that AAFC level. Um, and then another four-year run by the Detroit Lions. Of course, you have to start at the beginning, right? Well, looking at my papers, kick the music. So the Detroit Lions, they've been around for pretty much 94 seasons. 17 of those seasons, this is as of this year, 17 of those seasons, they actually have made the postseason. I mean, they've been involved in postseason play. Of course, those first four Whereas the Portsmouth Spartans, they were founded back in 1930. Of course, in 1934, they moved from Ohio to Michigan, become the Detroit Lions. But 1932, uh, understand you this, that you know the first official NFL playoff game, championship game was in 1933, when the league decided to split into two divisions. And then you had the two best teams with the best records to play to decide a champion at the end of the season. Now, the first true playoff game was the 1932 NFL championship game between the Portsmouth Spartans and the Chicago Bears that was played in Chicago Stadium because the weather outside was supposed to be pretty bad, right? Well, in that first championship game, um, and it was decided because between the Bears and the Spartans, Green Bay finished the season with a 10-3-1 record. Now, understand this. There were uneven games played in those days. Not everybody played the exact same schedule. Um, but then the Bears, they were six and one, and then six ties. And the Spartans were six and one with four ties. So the team, the two teams with one single loss faced off for the championship game. Of course, they lost nine to nothing. The Spartans did to the Bears. This was on a Bronco Nagurski two-yard touchdown pass to Red Grange, Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Of course, that play was controversial because the NFL rules at the time, you had to be five yards behind the line of scrimmage in order to throw the pass. And then Patsy Clark, who was the head coach of the Spartans at the time, said, yeah, he wasn't five yards back. Well, the, the official said, yes, he was. And the play was upheld. It was seven to nothing. And then the Bears go on to score a safety later on in the game. And then that was it. Boom, bang, pow. The Bears are champions. Well, 1934, fast forward couple years later well they start 10 and 0 uh and uh the detroit lions look like they are you know they're on a hot streak okay they were playing against the chicago bears eventually who were also undefeated well before that basically they lost their final three games all by three points apiece all by three they lost to Green Bay. Then they lost back-to-back -back games to Chicago. And the second game, that they, the first game, actually, they lost to Chicago um, was on Thanksgiving Day. They were up 16-7. to uh, They had that lead at halftime. And then they got outscored 12 to nothing in the second. And it was another game-winning touchdown pass, from this time from the Gursky to wide receiver or end, Bill Hewitt. Uh, they went from second place. They, well, they finished, actually. Uh, second place behind Chicago 
uh, who finished the season 13 and 0 in the regular season. And no, the Bears did not uh, win the championship game. They lost in the sneakers game, the 1934 NFL championship game to the New York Giants. But 1935 proved to be the magical year for them. They won their first title. They beat the New York Giants 26 to 7, who were the defending champs um they beat them at home at university of detroit stadium and it was cool because they had a lot going on in detroit championship sports wise right they were the city of champions uh just to give you a short list you had the stanley cup champ red wings the detroit red wings of the nhl and in major league baseballs the detroit tigers won the world series now, of course by 1937 uh, head coach Patsy Clark, who had led them since they were the Spartans, he's gone. Uh, replaced by player coach Dutch Clark for two years, the next two seasons. And that was followed by some lean years and six coaching changes, including an 0 and 11 season in 1942 and then 1 and 10 in 1946. Ah, that was that was pretty bad. Um, by 1951, they landed one of their former players in Buddy Parker. He played the first two seasons of his career as a fullback, and I think he probably played some linebacker as well. Um, ended up being their head coach. Uh, he was on that 1935 championship team uh, as a fullback. He was traded as a player to the Chicago Cardinals, uh, and, uh, and he was an assistant coach after his playing days were over with the Cardinals, was a part of the 1947 championship team under Jimmy Conselman and uh, they beat Philadelphia one year then they lost to Philly in the 1948 championship team uh, championship game rather 1949 he's the co-head coach and eventually he resigns and takes the job in Detroit three eventually three straight years the Detroit Lions would be in the championship game all against the Cleveland Browns and they will win it all twice of course the key member of those championship teams would be quarterback and future hall of famer bobby lane so i went back in some of my old notes and looked at one of my old shows it was called the curse um and in that show it was talking about how the nfl has a long history and in that history you got those franchises that just fell off from greatness in the early years right uh talked about the browns and talked about the bears and even the new york giants who appeared in 14 championship games between 1933 and 1963. Detroit was right there in the 50s, along with the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, um, again, they were great in the All-America Football Conference. They come over in 1950 in the NFL after the AAFC is dissolved, uh, along with the 49ers, as well as the first version of the Baltimore Colts, who only lasted a year. Um, but the Browns came in swinging. They won the championship, and they were in the championship again. In 12 years, they were in the championship game 11 times uh, from 46 to 62. That's a lot. But the, the Browns had a nemesis, and I had no idea about one thing, and I'll give that to you in a minute. But uh, the Detroit Lions, they had some Hall of Famers. Uh, they, they had a long list. That's how you get uh, – you have good players, you end up turning out great seasons, and you win some championships, back-to-back -to, -back to be exact. They had Hall of Famers, such as on the offensive line, 
Lou Kriegmer, uh, Dick Stanfill. Uh, yeah, on defense, eventually they had Dick Knight train Lane for, for a, a spell at one point in their history. But it, around this time, you had Jack Christensen, safety punter, Yale Larry, who was also, uh, he played other positions, middle linebacker Joe Schmidt, and then also Doak Walker, who was a great running back. Of course, you know, college football fans know the Doak Walker Award. That's where they came from. Well, there was also Bobby Lane, who was a All-American tailback and quarterback at the University of Texas. In the 1950s, the Detroit Lions won four division titles and also three NFL championships in four tries. Lane was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He didn't want to play in Pittsburgh. We talked about my Steelers a while back and just how bad that they were and their history of leading up to those 70s dynasty teams, right? Um, but I guess they had, obviously Pittsburgh had a reputation of being bad. And so his rights were actually traded away to the Chicago Bears. And what was pretty cool is that he was on the 1940, this is 1948. He was on the same team with 1947 Heisman winner from Notre Dame, Johnny Lujak, and also 32-year-old and future Hall of Fame quarterback, Sid Luckman. Yeah, high insight. And uh, George Hallis, I'm sure he was kicking himself, you know, years later, well before he passed away, uh, of the Hall of Fame talent that he let go. I mean, Paul Brown did the exact same thing. Maybe I'll do a show on that. I've mentioned these things before, but you had no idea. Again, hindsight. Lane, again, All-American, uh, but did not want to sit behind third string behind both Luckman and Lou Jack. So he actually, I read where he is, tried to get out of there on his own, trying to go to Green Bay. He ends up being traded away to the New York Bulldogs, who didn't last very long, and they were gone. He was only there for a year, uh, but he traded him, George Hallis did, for two draft picks and $50,000, which he owed to Chicago, the Chicago Cardinals' ownership, Violet Bidwell. Owed that fifty grand for his stock, and he traded, I mean, gave that money to her real quick, fast, and in a hurry, and then he was able to deal with those two draft picks later on. But 1950... By that time, he was traded again, this time to the Detroit Lions, where his Hall of Fame career actually began. And the result, they had back-to-back -back titles in 1952 and 1953. Uh, you know, he had guys along with Schmidt and Kriegmer and Christensen. You had some guys that was there. Cloyce Bach, who was a great receiver, didn't play very long. And then um, Bob Horenschmeier. 1952 NFL Championship was the first one that they would uh, win in you know for, since 1935, 17-7 win in Cleveland at Municipal Stadium. They were three and a half point play, uh, favorites. They took care of business. In '53, Bobby Lane led the Lions on an eight-play, 80-yard drive that ended with a 33-yard touchdown pass to Jim Dorn to take a 17-16 lead. They were down a majority of that game. The Lions defense they picks up they pick off Otto Graham. They end the game, they win their second title in a row. Something that was not really, I guess, in the mind of Paul Brown at the time. And with the great players that he had, he had so many Hall of Famers to go along with Otto Graham, who was the greatest quarterback that had ever lived to that point, as a matter of fact. But they got outdueled in two straight championship games. And Going to the 1954 NFL Championship game, as I was going to say earlier, it's kind of hard to fathom 
that as great as Paul Brown and that Cleveland franchise had been, especially to that point, they were 0-8 playing against the Detroit Lions, even heading into that championship game. They hadn't beat them, and they definitely couldn't beat them in Detroit. Well, <laughs> Detroit was going for that three-peat. Didn't happen. You must understand, the championship era, again, they didn't start that until 1933. And yes, the Green Bay Packers were NFL champions uh, from, what, 1929 to 1930, 20, uh, excuse me, 1929 to 1931. I need to slow down. But that was the final standings-type champion that they did. There was no actual championship game yet. And so it didn't end well for the Lions. And out of the 13 total turnovers that were in that game, nine were committed by the Lions. You're not going to turn the football over nine times, nine times, and then win. It's not going to happen. Six interceptions thrown by Bobby Lane. Wasn't his best day, all right? 56 to 10 was the final score. The worst beat down since the Bears beat Washington 73 to nothing back in 1940 in that championship game. And these games featured as many as 17 future Pro Football Hall of Famers between the Lions and the Browns. They were loaded. Both teams were loaded. Okay, we talk a lot about the Browns, but you know, you have to know the Detroit Lions, they had squads, okay? 1957 was a little bit different. You know, you fast forward through a couple of years where uh, even a three-win season in 1956, it just wasn't looking good for them. Uh, there was no more Otto Graham for Cleveland by then, but they had a rookie running back. You may have heard of him, Jim Brown. Uh, they were back in the championship game, and so were the Lions. Bobby Lane, apparently he had broken his ankle uh, in, like, what, three places? And then uh, quarterback Tobin Rote, who was brought over from the Green Bay Packers, he basically picked up where... Lane had left off. The Lions finished the season 8-4 under their new head coach, George Wilson. Yes, that's the same George Wilson that was replaced in Miami after his first three seasons uh, and uh, was, was replaced by eventual Hall of Famer Don Shula. The offense featured future Hall of Fame fullback John Henry Johnson, who had been traded over there to the Lions. I think he came in from San Francisco. And also Howard Hopalong Cassidy. Yes, the Heisman winner. Jack Christensen, yeah, Yale Larry and Joe Schmidt, they're still leading the defense as pro bowlers and all pros. And But if you watched the NFC Championship game from this past Sunday, they talked a little bit about the last time the 49ers and Lions got together and played each other, right? Well, check this out. There had been a tiebreaker that season that had to be played because San Francisco and Detroit had similar 84 records. And... Um, they were tied for first for the, in the NFL Western Division of what it was called at the time. December 22nd, 1957, um, at Keyser Stadium, home for the San Francisco 49ers. They were up 24-7 to at halftime. And I think they got a little bit too happy. Uh, the Lions actually heard the celebration next door in the home locker room. Just like the NFC Championship game this year, the situation flipped in the second half. The Lions, they outscored San Francisco 24-3 in the second half to beat them 31-27. And this championship game versus the Browns was going to be pure revenge for the Lions. And you lose by 46 points, I mean, you don't really forget that, right? And it's, it has to be noted also that around the half, I guess just after halftime, they started printing tickets for the Browns and 49ers to be in the championship game. 
I got a picture of it. And I'm like, wow, they really did that. I mean, I guess they print up T-shirts and hats for champs, and eventually they have to ship them overseas to people that have no idea. Somebody's got to wear that stuff, right? Um, but it was revenge for the Lions. Uh, but the, you know, it was all the motivation that Detroit needed. 49ers come back, as well as their division, uh, in the, their, their championship loss to the Browns from three years earlier. The 57 championship game was a beatdown of epic proportions. The Browns came in as three-point favorites. Didn't matter. Brick Stadium, Detroit's home, packed. Lions fans got a treat. Halftime, Detroit had taken a 31-7 lead. Just before the half, as a matter of fact, Paul Brown pulled his starting quarterback, replaced him with Tommy O'Connell. That was his guy that replaced, <laughs> that was trying to replace Otto Graham. He benches him, puts the rookie Milt Plum in. Neither of these quarterbacks, by the way, are actually healthy. I think uh, Plum had a, a leg situation and then when he got taped up something about his hamstring got pulled or aggravated whatever the case neither one of them could get the job done but it was more the same with the second half from the lines o'connell had threw two picks plum comes in he throws two more and then the fifth detroit line intercepts the browns fifth pass of the day and the game is over the smoke clears 59 to 14 a beatdown. Worst loss of Paul Brown's career. And unfortunately, that would be the last championship game Detroit would win. And they've been looking for one ever since. Both Bobby Lane and head coach Buddy Parker, they actually would find themselves both in Pittsburgh by 1958. It's to be noted that Parker actually, uh, what he called the worst mistake of his career, by bolting Detroit. And here's what he supposedly said. I can't handle this team anymore. It's the worst team I've ever seen in training camp. They have no life, no go, just a completely dead team. I don't want to get caught in the middle of another losing season. I'm leaving Detroit football and I'm leaving tonight. Apparently they thought he was joking. Ha 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 ha. No, it, it, no, it wasn't a joke. He was, he was drop dead serious. So, you know, uh, he, he, he left. And this happened weeks, a couple of weeks before the 1957 season was about to start. Tobin Rope, who replaced Bobby Lane, they went with the young guy. His replacement in Detroit went 4-7-1 in 1958 and 1959, 3-8-1. And, and then Tote was, uh, excuse me, Tote, Rote was released. And in 1960s lines, they had some respectable players on the team, a couple of Hall of Famers, guys like Alex Karras and Lim Barney and Dick LeBeau, Charlie Sanders at tight end. But these guys, you know, they weren't able to get the lines back to that championship level that they were in the 50s. It just, just did not happen. And Detroit had one playoff appearance in the 70s, 1970 to be exact, two in the 80s. And let's not even talk about the fact that the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 16 to be exact, with the 49ers <laughs> dynasty actually started the 81 49ers. They played that Super Bowl in the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan, Detroit Lions home in January of 1982. Not even talk about that. Fast forward to 1991. Anyone that played Tecmo Super Bowl, Super Tecmo Bowl, you should know this squad. Yeah, Barry Sanders. Harriman, Robert Clark, Willie Green, Ray Crockett, 
uh, Mel Gray, Lomas Brown, Chris Spielman. Y'all remember Jerry Ball, Benny Blades, and then of course the head coach, Wayne Fonts. They finished that season 12 and four. They won the NFC Central. Starting quarterback at the time was Ronnie Pete, my man from out of USC. Yeah, uh, Holly Robinson, Pete's husband, yes. Um, first eight games, then he tears his Achilles. Eric Kramer replaces him, much like Tobin wrote, replaced Bobby Lane 34 years earlier. Both quarterbacks have a similar record as starters, six and two apiece. Pretty good. The year before the Dallas Cowboys dynasty began, Detroit beat up on Jimmy Johnson and his triplets 38 to six. I still remember watching that game. I mean, I wasn't rooting either way, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Um, Kramer, he goes 29 of 38, 341 yards and three touchdown passes. Willie Green went off that game. He caught eight of those for 115 yards and two touchdowns. They couldn't stop him. The Lions followed that up the next, uh, the next game, losing the NFC Championship game in RFK to Washington, the eventual Super Bowl champions. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, Washington was the best team in the league that year. That's who I was rooting for at the time. I was. Um, that was the last conference championship game Detroit played. Uh, and that was January 12th, 1992, until they played this past Sunday. And now, though Detroit has had some winning seasons, they followed that up with, what, eight playoff losses. They got there. But, you know, the period of more frustration included. You lose a couple of future Hall of Famers. You lose Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Frustrations of losing. A 0-16 season in 2016. You go through 10 different head coaches, interims included. And then, of course, finally you get to Dan Campbell, who was hired in 2021, talking about biting kneecaps. Well, all the man does is take a team from going 13-3-1, to nine and eight, and then 12 and five this past season and a berth in the NFC Championship game, which you were up by 17 points. Ah! Yeah, they really lose to the 49ers. Yeah, they got some got get back, right? But I think they finally got it right at head coach. I really do. Detroit. They got Jared Goff at quarterback, a guy who's been there, done that. Um, what Jamel Hill call him? The uh, Dollar General, <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Oh my God. Well, I like Jared Goff. They got him. They bring in the pieces through the draft and free agency. Somebody knows what they're doing. You get Jameer Gibbs to go along with David Montgomery. You draft him out of Alabama, and Montgomery, you bring him in from the Bears. You got Amara St. Brown and two guys who's heading up the, who a lot of people call the best offensive line in the league, Panay Sewell, David Ragnow. And you have guys like Alex Anzalone and Aiden Hutchinson and, and the rest of that defense that you can continue to build on because that defense does need to continue to improve. But I think they finally got it right. Let's see if that leads past the conference championship game in the future. That's it. References, thanks to ESPN.com, ProFootballReference.com, and also ProFootballHallOfFame.com. The Detroit Free Press is the curse of Bobby Lane Real. 1957 Detroit Lions say teams jinx that written September 6, 2017 by Carlos Monarez. Also, Bleacher Report, Urban Legends of the NFL, The Curse of Bobby Lane, Mike Tanier, October 12, 2016. Papa Bear, a couple of books, Papa Bear, The Life and Legacy of George Hallis, that written by Jeff Davis. 
And also, again, my favorite book, I have to buy another one because it's falling apart. America's Game, the NFL at 100. Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams, the co-authors. And also one other website, Golden Football Magazine. If you ever want to read about some championships with some detail, go to that website. I love it. That's it. That is it. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show, Behind the Mic Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show is presented by Belly Up Sports, Belly Up Media, Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out on bellyupsports.com. Click on it. Check out the shows. Check out the stories. Check out the merch. And you can find us on Megaphone as well as the favorites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I will find your house. I'm out. I'm out.